today I want, I want you to, if you've got your notes, your sermon notes, your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out because we're going to be talking about reconcilable differences. Not, not irreconcilable differences, right? But reconcilable differences. We're talking about conflict today. We're talking about not how to not fight. We're talking about how to fight clean. Did you know it's okay for you to have, like, have arguments in your marriage and there's going to be fights, but you've got to learn how to fight clean, right? Right? So, so we're learning about that today. In fact, last year, Christmas Eve 2019, I declared that 2020 is going to be the year of what? Reconciliation. And so we're, we're, we're going to learn that today in our marriage. That's my prayer for you, for your marriage, that there would be reconciliation in your home, in your family, in your, in your marriages, in your kids. So the big question is this. Why do some couples, why do some, some couples grow together over the years and some couples uh, fall apart over the years? Why, why do some couples forgive and some couples hold grudges? Why do some couples make it and other couples, they, they don't. They, they break apart. They fall apart. Why, why is that? Why does that happen? And here's, I'll answer that here in a little bit, but I want to start with that question because here's the thing. All couples, every married couple on the planet fights. And if you don't fight, then I will gladly let you come tell us. How do you do that? We need to know. We need to know how, how, do you, how, how do you make that work? How does that happen? And here's some good news. The good news is this. You can fight clean. The bad news is you, you, can't, you can't hit below the belt. Okay? The good news is you can press toward reconciliation. There can be restoration and reconciliation in your marriage. The bad news is it's not about declaring a winner. It's not about a victory. It, it, it's about coming together. And, and all couples fight. Every couple does. Even Annalise and I fight. I know, right? In fact, recently we, we, were, we were duking it out. We were fighting, and uh, she came to me crawling on her hands and knees, y'all. Uh-huh. And she, she said, get out from under that bed, you coward. Fight like a man. Yeah. We, we, we fight, we argue about things. Sometimes every couple fights, but you got to learn to fight right. You got to learn to fight right. Hey, we, we still learning that in some areas of our marriage. So if you're married, I want you to learn to, I want you to take this message today as, and apply it to your marriage. Hear it for your marriage today. If you're single, I want you to, I want you to go past marriage and, and think about other relationships that you might learn something. Uh, maybe apply it to your past. Learn something today. Learn how to fight right. And so I want to take a look at a foundational scripture today. It's found in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 15. And it says this, that a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Come on. And all the men said, amen. But there... But I don't want to leave the ladies out. So uh, there's, there's another scripture found in 2 Benjamin chapter 4, verse 2. It says, <laughs> it says, it's better to have hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who is a jerk. And all the ladies said, amen. amen. All right. Now, if you go home looking for 2 Benjamin, it's not in the Bible. It's not, not a real scripture. But I, I just, because I can see somebody going home today and you're like, where's 2 Benjamin? Let's see here. It's not in there. But we're going to, let's review real quick. Week one, it's the art of attraction. How do we have godly standards in our, in our relationship? We're dating, 
Week two was the season of perfection, the season of preparation. We all go through seasons in the, in the dating period. Week three was great sex, God's way, woo, right? And then today is, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, we're going to get ready to rumble today, but fight, right? We're going to fight clean, and that's today. So the couple, Solomon and his beloved, have trouble in paradise. Woo, trouble in paradise. They're newlyweds. They've just had their honeymoon, and, and, and they're getting to learn one another. They say the toughest, one of the toughest years in marriage is the first year, right? Does anybody else agree with that? I mean, it was a pretty tough one for us, I can tell you that. Now, we've had some tough ones since then, but this is, this is early on in, in the marriage. And uh, in Solomon chapter 5, verse 2, it says this. It says, I, I slept, but my heart was awake. Oh, I, w- I was asleep, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. My lover is knocking. Open to me. Now, here's what he starts to, to give all of her pet names, all right? He knows he's in trouble, and he starts using all the pet names that she likes. She's like, hey, hey girl, what's up, sis? Come on, sis. Oh, my darling girl, you, you're, so, you're so fine. You a dub, right? My flawless one. Come on, girl. My head is drenched with dew. My hair with the dampness of the night, and he's, he's just using those pet names. Hey, baby girl, what's up? Come on, oh, oh, open the door, open the door. And, and we don't know why, but he was out late, okay? Solomon was out late, and here's what I think happened. I think they're newlyweds. They've been married for a couple months, and she says, hey, babe, why don't you go have a, a night with the guys? Go down to Top Golf. And it, he didn't think twice about that. And he says, well, if I go to Topgolf, maybe, maybe you and the girls could get together and watch This Is Us on Netflix and cry together. You know, you can, you can, you can, you can watch that together. She's like, okay. So he goes down to Topgolf. He's with the guys in Fort Worth at Topgolf playing, and it's fun, and his phone dies. And, and he doesn't have a way to, to call his wife because he doesn't remember her number because who remembers phone numbers anymore, Right. And so, so she's worried about him, and the girl's night's over, and she's laying in bed, and she's wondering, where is he? What's he doing? And, he, and finally, she's in bed. He comes back home, and, and he's, he's hoping to get a little bit of loving, right? And she stiff arms him. She's, she says, oh, no, you don't. You're not coming in here like that. So, and, and this happens to me all the time. I come home from work, and I just want to sit there and relax, and Annalise is all up on me, and she's just, she just try, cuddling with me and stuff. And I'm like, girl, again? You want to do like, again? You want to make out again? And yeah, why are y'all laughing? Y'all... It could happen once, right? It's just, I wish that would happen, right? Just so, yeah. <laughs> Brothers unite. Uh, so now remember, a, a, few, a few chapters ago, she's calling him her stag, her gazelle. He's bounding over the mountains, right? And, and they're making love all night long. And now he's coming home late. She's in bed, and, and he's trying to make a move. He's like, what's up, baby girl? Come on. I, I, what's up? What's up? And she says, I have, verse 3, I have taken off my robe. You want, me, you, you want me to get up out the bed, put my robe on again? She said, I, I've, I've already washed my feet. Must I soil the, them again? In other words, what she's saying, you must be out your mind. If you think I'm thinking to get up out this bed, open the door for you. Come on. What are you, what are you thinking? And she's, she's, she's not pulling any punches. She's not happy. Where you been? And, and you think I'm just going to get out of the bed, come open up the door. Everything's going to be okay. You hadn't answered your phone. I don't know where you've been. 
And Solomon went from hero to zero in that moment. Well, what happens next is a fight. They have a fight. And, and we're going to see how to deal with this from a biblical perspective. They have a fight. And I think, I, I just believe that there's three common root causes for every fight, for all the conflict. And I'm going to give them to you really quick. The first one is this. The first root cause in your note is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Now, here's the deal. She was expecting him to be much home much earlier. I mean, he, when she said go, go out with the, the guys to top golf, he gone, right? And she's expecting him back at a decent hour, and he's not coming back. When he gets home, he's expecting that she's had a good night with the girls. Her, her love tank is full. They're going to have some, they're going to have a little romance, and neither of them got what they expected, right? They were both disappointed, and I think one of the main reasons why, why we have unmet expectations in our lives today is because we have weak communication. Weak communication. We have no idea what our spouse is thinking. Have you ever had a fight with your spouse, and after it was over, you go, what was that about? Why did we even fight? What was, what was the whole purpose and point of us getting riled up like that? Why, why did we do that? What was that about? And, and some of you have unmet expectations right now in your marriage. You're, you're thinking to yourself, marriage is nothing like I expected it to be. Like, I, I, thought, I thought he was going to be more of a leader. I thought she was going to be more tender. I thought he would be more supportive. I thought she was going to be more involved in the bedroom. I thought it would be different than the way that it is. And the greatest frustrations that we have in life, I think, are, are because of the gap between what we expect and what we experience. I think our greatest frustrations in life, in marriage, comes between what we expect to happen and what we experience. We think this is going to happen, and when it doesn't happen, we're let down. We think our spouse is going to do this. We never communicate it to them, so when they don't do it, we're let down. We have this unmet expectation. And some of the most beautiful and lasting marriages in the world have had the problem of unmet expectations. And, and, and I want you to know this today. If that's where you are, you just need to realize that God is big enough to bring you through it. He's big enough. There's nothing that, listen to this, what you're seeing today in your marriage is not the way that it has to be. If, 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 if there's unmet expectations, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be different. Number two, the second root cause of conflict in marriage, I think, is be, it's because of selfishness. All about me. Selfishness. And, and when, when they started, when we started reading this story, man, uh, she's all about, she's ready to give herself to Solomon. I mean, they're all in this together, lovey-dovey, it's just beautiful. And now, after the honeymoon, he's coming back home a few weeks later, late at night, and he knocks on the door and she says, I'm already in bed, forget you. Selfishness. I'm not getting out of the bed. I'm, I'm not going to open up for you. If, if you want in this house, you should have been here earlier, right? And everybody struggles with selfishness. Everybody does. Every marriage battles with selfishness. I struggle with selfishness. Hey, one of the things I, I'm selfish about is my food. I'm serious. I ain't play about my food. We'll, we'll go through the drive-thru, and I'll be like, oh, least what do you want? She'll say, I, I just want to share something with you. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> He's sharing my food. 
right? You, you go out to eat, and you're like, well, what are you getting? Do you, do you want to share some fajitas? No. I'm not sharing. I play about a lot of things, but I don't play by my food, right? This happened to us last night. Coming home from Grapevine, from a baseball tournament, we, we drive through fast food, and we get, we get some, some food, and, and uh, apparently she, she only got one order of fries, and she said, I'll just have some of those. And I was thinking to myself, I knew I was going to preach this today. I didn't say it. I just, I refrained, but I was thinking, oh, no, you should have you got your own fries, right? should have got your own fries. I love my food. Guys, when we're grilling out, what, what is the whole point of grilling out? It's about the meat, right, right, men? All right, we'll have people over to the house. We'll grill out. I'll put the meat on. Be like, hey, 45 minutes. It's, it's ready to go. We're ready to go. You know, have everything else ready. Come back in 15 minutes later. We got 30 more minutes on the meat. 30 more minutes because it's all about the meat. You come back in 15 minutes later. There's 15 minutes left. Hey, man, we got 15 minutes to go. After that, you bring the meat into the house and you put it on the counter and there's not a side one prepared. I, I'm eating. I'm ready to eat. Y'all have 45 minutes of them here to, to, to make some sides. Oh, we got to make the salad. We had 45 minutes. Y'all been in here blabbering. I'm ready to eat, right? Selfishness. And then, and then whoever we have over gets to see a, a good old human fight because, hey, I thought, I thought you were all working on the sides in here. I'm ready to eat. Come on. I'm over there eating. Anybody with me? Right? We're selfish about those things. Those are some of my selfishness, some of the things I'm selfish about. So if there's trouble in marriage, I, I can guarantee you it's either because of the unmet expectations or the selfishness. And here, listen to me. It's not Burger King. You don't get to have it your way in marriage all the time. Sometimes you have to give up your right to be right. I'll say that again. In marriage, sometimes you have to give up your right to be right. Just, just give it up. It's not that big of a deal. Number three, the third, the third reason we have this conflict in our lives is because of pride. Mmm, pride. I'm not, I'm not going to... It's not my fault. It's not my problem, right? You always do this. He always did that. She never, right? Things like that. And, and there are some people here this morning who you have forgotten how to just let something go. You have forgotten how to, how to just humble yourselves and take responsibility for your own actions, right? It's always somebody else's fault. You're the victim. It, 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 it's pride. I'm right. They're wrong. They need to get it together. And, and can I just tell you, there's nothing that will stop the healing process in your marriage quicker than pride. Well, Pastor, how do you know if you're dealing with pride? If you're sitting there thinking to yourself right now, I hope she's listening to this because she really needs it, you've got pride, all right? Well, I just hope he's listening to this because he, he needs this more than anybody in this room right now. You might be dealing with pride, right? You think it's for him, but it's really for you. So verse 4, he says this, uh, it says this. The song goes on in verse 4, and it says, My lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. He's been out there knocking. He's been waiting for her to open the door. He's getting aggravated. He punches a hole through the door, thrusts his, his hand through the latch opening, and her heart begins to pound for him. I don't know if she's like, oh, that's sexy. Or she's like, oh, no, he didn't. And she got up out of the bed. 
I don't know which one, but her heart begins to pound and she arose. I arose from my lover and, and my, my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers flowing with myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. He gone. He's gone. And look what happened. How did, she, how did it make her feel? My heart sank at his departure. They have a little fight here, a little spout. He punches a hole through the door. She won't open up for him. Finally, when she does get up to open for him, he leaves. Pride. Full, full of pride. And did you notice how it made her feel? Her heart sank. Her heart sank. And there's some of you here today that your heart is sinking. Your heart has, your heart's sinking. Like, like problems came up in your marriage. Your spouse walked out on you and your heart sank. Your heart is sinking at the, at the horror of divorce, at the problems that you're dealing with. Maybe there's a code red alert right now in your marriage. There's this warning light that's blinking, and, and, and you need to pay attention to it because maybe, maybe the, the, your spouse have, hasn't left physically, but they're not there emotionally. There's a loss of intimacy. There's a wall up. There's something that, that, uh, that is some sort of conflict, and it's a warning light for you. And your heart is sinking. Can I tell you this today? I want to give you some hope that when two people are in Christ, there is no relationship on earth that God cannot heal. I must say that again. When two people are in Christ, there's no relationship too far gone for Jesus Christ to heal it. Two, two people. It takes two, though. One, one can't do it by themselves. It takes two people to see this. God can turn around your marriage. God can heal your marriage. And your marriage can work if you do it God's way. I'm telling you today, there's a 100% chance of success at marriage when you do it God's way, when you do it His way. So let me give you something really profound. Just It's profoundly simple, and it's this, that success in anything you do on this earth comes down to this simple principle. And that is doing the right things over and over and over again for the long haul. It's called habits. It's building, it's doing the right things over and over and over again. It, it, this will, it's true for your marriage. It's not once and done. You don't just do something once and then you don't ever have to do it again. So let me say it this way. If you're having trouble in your marriage today and you've been having trouble for years, I, I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer this morning, but but it's unlikely that things will just get better in a matter of days. So it's going to take some work. It's going to take you doing the right things over and over and over again to see healing and restoration in your marriage. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do is I want to give you three simple promises that you can make for your marriage. We're going to call them the I do promise. Three simple promises. And number one is this. I do promise... I do promise to act and not react. For my marriage, for your marriage, promise, I'm going to act and not react. So Romans 12, 21 says, don't, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. So no matter what anyone does to me, I have a choice to how I'm going to respond. Well, why did you act that way? She did this. No, 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 no. You chose to act that way. 
Why, why did you act that way? Well, he, no, no, no. You chose to react that way. It, choices lead, feelings follow. You chose to do it, right? And so no matter what anybody does to me, I can choose how I'm going to respond. I can choose how I'm going to act. I can choose I'm going to act in a godly way or I'm going to be reactionary. I, and I want to live my life proactively. I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to think in advance what kind of person I want to be, what, how, how I want to live my life, how I want to love my wife, how I want to raise my kids. We can live proactively making those decisions that today we're, we're going to act this way. In fact, I think most marriages start off on, on this pattern. We start off acting the right way, but then something happens. Somebody crosses the line. They say something. A trust is broken. And then, and then you go to reaction, right? A fight breaks out, and you get into fight mode. You know what fight mode is? Y'all know what fight mode is. Any married person here today knows what fight mode is. You, you sleep in the same bed, but you, you sleep back to back, Okay. You can't let your feet touch one another. No footsies in bed. You can't talk because if you talk, you're going to lose points, right? You, you can't talk, but you can sigh heavily. Okay? Right? You can, you can toss back and forth, sighing heavily, making sure they know that they have wronged you. They have messed up, but you're not going to talk first because if you talk first, you lose, right? So you, you just sigh. It's this sighing contest back and forth. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and that's what happens. We get into this fight mode. And listen, that's, that's petty. That's childish. Let, let's learn to talk. Let's, let's learn to communicate to one another. We want to be proactive. Let's, let's work this thing out. Let's move towards God's plan. But you don't know how he treats me, Ben. I know, but listen, no, no sinful behavior justifies more sinful behavior. No sinful behavior justifies even more sinful behavior. Don't overcome evil with, with evil. Overcome evil with good. All right, number two, the second I do promise is this. I do promise I'm going to focus on the good and not the bad. Focus on the good and not the bad. So Philippians 4, Paul says this. Hey, why don't you think on what is pure, what's lovely, what's, what's admirable. If anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Think about your spouse that way. Think about those things with your, with your spouse. And I don't know about, has anybody blown this one before? I've blown it, right? Thinking, thinking bad about my spouse. You've probably done the same thing. And, and you're thinking, well, well, she doesn't, or she always, or, or he never and, and you don't think about the good. You think about the bad. We're drawn to the negative. And, and I want to caution you ladies with this. Sometimes, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just observing something here. Sometimes ladies can get together. They talk. They start talking about their husbands. Well, he did this, and he always, and he never. And, boy, he did this the other day. And, and I just want to caution you, don't do that. What good is it going to do? Is it fixing anything? Oh, well, I'm just venting. Or, or maybe you're just letting somebody know that, He's available because you don't like him. I'm just saying. Caution yourself. Caution yourself. Guys, does it do you any good to point out your, your wife's failures? Does it inspire her to be better? No. It inspires her to throw a shoe at you, right? <laughs> Come on. You, don't do that. It, it's not helping. Don't focus on the negative. Look at the good. Look at what is going right. I love what... Um, 
Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, she was once asked, what's it like to be married to a guy who's gone seven months out of the year? And she said, I'd rather spend five months with Billy than 12 months with any other man. That's, that's looking at the good. She's looking at the positive. Check this out. Here's the reality. When, when you're dating, opposites attract, don't they? Right? Opposites attract. You, know, you, you take a, a young couple and maybe, maybe the, the young man, he's always on time. He really values uh, you know, be, being on time places. And maybe the girl's just kind of like nonchalant, and, 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 but he's attracted to her. And so she, she's kind of teaching him, oh, man, just unwind. It's not a big deal. It's okay. Everything's going to go fine. Even if, we're, even if we're on time, it's not a big deal. And, and so he just kind of goes with the punches. He just rolls with it. Man, yeah, it's not that big of a deal anymore. But then when they get married, what happens? Opposites attack. <laughs> when you're dating, opposites attract. When you get married, opposites attack. And, and now it's a point of contention. Now it's an issue. He's like, I've been married to you for 25 years. We've never been on time anywhere. Come on, let's go. And, and then they argue all the time. Everywhere they go, it's an, always an argument about being late, right? Well, well let, let me just pause here and, and just say, what if we think about it this way? What, what if you chose to, 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 to think about your wife this way? That I would rather be late with you than I would be on time with any other woman on earth. Boy, I, it's, it's more fun being with you, being late with you. It's more meaningful being late with you than it would be being on time with anybody else on the planet. What would happen if we focused on the good, if we called out the good, if we spoke the good over our spouse? I think a lot of us don't know what would happen because we never tried it. <laughs> but here's, I think if we try it, if we will do that, I think God can bring renewal in our marriages. Amen. All right, here's the third, I do promise. I do promise that I'm going to talk and not walk. I'm going to talk and not walk. Talk it out. Mm, mm. Walk it out. Uh, uh. Pray together. Come on. Yeah, pray together. We're going to talk it out. Mm, mm. Talk it out. Let's pray together. I just wrote a song. Y'all didn't even know it, right? We're going we're gonna to talk it out. We're going to work it out. We're going to work on this marriage, y'all. Let's talk things over. And, and, and you might have to take a walk for a minute, right? You might need to cool down, but don't leave the issue unresolved. Fix it. Commit to fixing the problem. Talk to a counselor. Join a small group. Get in the marriage group. Find a marriage mentor. Find somebody here at church that you go, man, I wish my marriage was like that. And, 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 and ask to take them out to dinner and, and, and let them pour into you. Read a marriage book together. Oh, but pastor, I don't like to read. Well, sounds like you don't like your marriage. Well... I don't like to read, Pastor Ben. I just don't like to read. Well, it sounds to me like you also don't like your marriage. So which, which one do you not like the most? Because <laughs> if you're not willing to read a book, I, it, I'm telling you, guys, I, I'm really serious. It blows my mind how little people are willing to put in some work to fix their marriage. Read the freaking book. Read it. Read the book. Oh, well, you know, Pastor, we want to get in a small group, but if we get in a small group and we talk about our marriage, you know, we're going we're gonna to air our dirty laundry. I'm, I'm sorry, but 
What's the alternative? What's the alternative? Because if, if you don't fix your marriage, what's the alternative? Separation? Divorce? Then everybody knows your dirty laundry. What, what's the alternative? Work it out. Talk it out. The Bible says, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, let, let, let me say it this way. Before I get there, let me say this. Marriage counseling. I, I, I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor. So it's, every once in a while, people will want to come meet with me, and I'll just say, hey, I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor. Uh, but if, if I were sitting down with you, here, here would be my marriage counseling in a nutshell. Go to church. Oh, we do, pastor. We go. No, no, I mean like every week. Be in church every week. Get in a small group. Like really get in a group and be committed to that group. Find some people who can sharpen you. Find some people who can hold you accountable. Find some people where you can take off the mask. Really. Find some people. Go, go through the growth track. Today is step one of the growth track. In step two of the growth track, you can discover your, your purpose, what God gifted you for. But guess what? You can also discover how God gifted your spouse. And there might be some light bulbs go off. You might go, oh, that's why she acts that way. Because God gifted her with some abilities and with some passions. And it rubs me the wrong way because I'm not gifted that way. Go, go through the growth track. Start serving on the dream. Start serving somebody else. Start making a difference. Stop being selfish. Coming to church for you and start coming for somebody else. Start sharpening somebody else. Start making a difference. And here's, here's what I've seen over the years is that one thing I've noticed is that the people who have, that the people who are not willing to do these things are the ones with the issues. They're the ones with the problems. Is that they're not willing to fully commit. They're not willing to go all in. They're not willing to lay it all on the line. And Ephesians says it this way. Paul, Paul says it. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. D don't give the devil a foothold. That little phrase, foothold, that word is a climbing term. And, and, and a foothold is, a, is, if you were a rock climber, if you were at the Wichita Mountains or maybe down at the falls here in Wichita Falls the, and you're climbing those rocks, you're looking for an area where you can just put your foot where you can get a little bit of leverage. And what Paul is telling us is he's saying, hey, don't give the devil leverage in your life. Don't give him, a, don't give him an opportunity to climb higher, to gain more ground in your life. Don't give him a foothold. And for some of us here today, you haven't just given him a foothold. You've, you've got an open invitation to the devil in your life because you stay angry. You stay mad. You stay frustrated. I mean, you have opened the door and you say, hey, come on in with your bad self. And he did. He came in with, with the senator, sinister six. He, he's, he's come in and, and your life is frustrated. Your life is angry. Your life is resentment. How do I change that, Ben? How do I change that? What, what do I do from here? You got to keep talking. Don't get quiet. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give him a foothold. Talk about the real issues. Talk about what's really going on in your marriage and, and not the shallow stuff. Here's the deal. If you want to be married for the long haul, if you want to be married 40, 50, 60 years, you've got to know there's going to be seasons of winter in your life. 
There's going to be seasons when everything's not perfect, when things are falling apart, when things aren't going well. There's going to be those seasons, and every couple has those conflicts. Every couple has fights. Every couple has that, that, that conflict. But the good news is this. You can do it God's way. You can fight clean. I'm going to close with this. This question. We started today by asking this question. Why do some couples grow together and some couples grow apart? And I think it all boils down to these two words right here. I don't know if you can see that. Unite versus untie. When I look at those words, they're very, very similar. I mean, they're, they're, they're like, they're similar in appearance, but there couldn't be more difference in the definition. Unite versus untie. And the only difference about this word, these two words, is, is one letter. It's the I. And here, here's, here's the deal. If, you're in, if the I is in the wrong place, it's untied. If, if the I is in the right place, it's united. If, if I am in the wrong place, I'm untying our marriage. If I'm in the right place, I am uniting our marriage. And I want to close with this one thought, and that is this. That this really, this whole message isn't about, it's not about someone else. It's about you. It's about you. It's about what God wants to say in you. Are you in the right place? Are you in the right place? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? And let me, let me just ask, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's he saying to you? What's he whispering to your heart today? Maybe you're in conflict in your relationship. And if you are, I, I know there's probably good reason that you are. There's probably a good reason you're in conflict. But, but we're not here to talk about the other person. We're here to talk about you. We're here to talk about me. We're here to talk about us. And I'm asking you right now to search your heart and ask the Lord to reveal any pride, any selfishness, any unmet expectations, any anger, any resentment, anything in your relationship, anything in your marriage. And we're going to confess that today. We're going to ask God to forgive us of those sins. And we're going to ask God to help us carry out the promise to act in his love, to focus on the good, to talk things out with our spouse. And if you're here today and you say, Ben, we need God in our marriage. We need him in our lives. We need him in our home. We need him to restore, to reconcile. We need forgiveness for some of these things. If that's you here today, just lift up your hand right where you are. Just, to, just an acknowledgement to say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm lifting my hand too because we need, we need some strength in these areas. We need God's grace in our marriage. We need his help and strength and power in our marriage. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we love you today. And I thank you that we are blessed. I thank you that your word says what you put together, let man not separate. Lord, so I thank you that you're doing a work in our marriages. And Lord, we ask you today to forgive us for, for things that we've said and for things that we've done. Forgive us for, for not communicating clearly. Forgive us for the selfishness. Forgive, forgive us for living for ourselves and doing things our own way. 
forgive us, Lord. Would you forgive us for, for, for the, the pride that we've carried and for doing things our way? Would you forgive us and cleanse us and strengthen us, Father? We thank you for that today. We need your grace in our marriages. We need your grace in our relationships. For those here today, maybe they're not married, but they need this in their relationships. God, I pray that you'd strengthen them, God. Strengthen them today. And with your head still bowed, today, I, I want you to know that the picture-perfect marriage that we see in the Bible is actually between Jesus and the church. You're the church. The, the church is considered the bride of Christ. He lived and he died for you. He gave his life for you. He sacrificed it all for you. He gave it all for you. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you're not fully committed, you're not following after God today, and you're saying, Ben, I want to know Jesus. I want a relationship with Him. He gave His life for you, and He wants relationship with you, and there is no greater love than the love of God. He can wash you clean, give you a fresh start, a blank slate, a clean, a clean slate today, and He is the only way to heaven the only way to heaven so he's here to forgive you to cleanse you to wash you to make you new to give you a fresh start and if you say Ben I want to know Jesus I want to be in relationship with him today if that's you with boldness I just want you to slip up your hand today say that's me Ben I want to begin a fresh start with Jesus thank you thank you who else say that that's me Ben anybody else God bless you thank you come on let's say this prayer together say Jesus I need you. Will you forgive me of my sin? Cleanse me from all impurities. Give me a fresh start. Today I give my life to you. I commit to serve you. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. And I will follow you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name. Amen. 